Digging the Crates. This is Digging the Crates. I'm Vice Beats. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 3 of the podcast, brought to you by The Find. An aspect of Digging the Crates is that the interviews are from various times. This time round is an interview which was recorded at the very start of 2020. I had the pleasure of talking to one of the most respected and prolific producers in hip-hop, who's quietly and humbly been amassing a catalogue of genuine classic material. With a big year ahead musically, this was a rare opportunity to talk to one of my personal production heroes. This is Digging the Crates with Damu the Fudge Monk. And now for our feature presentation. All right, here, here we go. It's Damu the Fudge Monk. I want to say peace to Vice Beats and Digging the Crates. Damu the Fudge Monk, welcome to Digging the Crates. And I, I just wanted to kick off really just, I guess it's it's a question you would have been asked before, but I just wondered where the name Damu the Fudge Monk came from. Well, yeah, I think that's a question I'm going to have to answer the rest of my life or the rest of my career that I employ or that I'm employed under this name. You, you know, first off, definitely thanks for having me on the show and uh, looking forward to this interview. Los Angeles, home of the champions, and a scandalous if you can handle it. Bring your candlestick where the sun sets. Set it in the sun. The summer's just begun. We had to have fun and make fun. Make runs with my thumbs. Then I then I thumbs. Watch I'm on the drum, on the one, beat L on the two. Damu on the table, be the third. We include redefinition, concludes the blue. The new school subdues pages for you. Crews who dispute the slate just for you. Could have been out with the stage just for you. Ground and water. I mean, as far as the name, it, you know, it has several different influences, I guess. Damu, I used to, I used to tag on the train. Uh, okay. I was one of my uh, graffiti names. Um, and uh, it, and it stems from a monk, uh, or he's called Damo or Damu or Tamu in Asia. Or, and, uh, you know, I, I learned of that story around the time that I came up with the name. You know, I'm from uh, Washington, D.C., which, you know, is also known uh, as the Chocolate City, you know, for its uh, black population. Uh, you may know the story. Uh, George Clinton, Parliament Funkadelic, came here in the, in the 70s, and, and they had traveled the country, traveled the world at this point, and um, they were just so impressed by the by, by the major cities that had, uh, in their travels, that had black populations, and, um, you know, it, it inspired the album called Chocolate City. So, yeah, be, being from here, being a fan of Willy Wonka and a fan of uh, J. Ruta Damager, interested in, like, being... Uh, the Shaolin monks and and, and uh, just the discipline that goes along with the with being a monk, uh, you know, monk of music, monk of hip hop. At the time, I might have been 14, and I was actually I was about 14 or 15 when I came up with this name. So it was just some sort of you know you can you can see where my brain was at that time. <laughs> Chocolate and monks. <laughs> yeah, now that I have uh, you know now that I'm an adult and I have a music career and a legacy tied to. The, to my name and this brand, you know. Now here, here I am explaining, <laughs> explaining what I was thinking <laughs> over 20 years ago. It's you know, it's cool. I feel like although I may not be the same person that I was in, as an adolescent, I feel like you know my music and persona still. Uh, well, yeah, my music definitely ties into the, the name and, vi- and vice versa. Here we are. 
To find out more about each episode, including the tracks played, go to thefinemag.com. How did you get into making music initially? Like, what was the first step for you? Uh, I got into music. I mean, I, I have a musical family. It was it was always something that I admired or always something that I, I noticed. And I guess growing up around musicians, it was never forced like, hey, you have to go into music. You're going to be a music, musician just like your family members. But I, but I grew up admiring and respecting musicians because that the adults that I was around, you know, both my parents are musicians, my grandmother, my grandfather, my aunt. And, and just being around their friends or their circle, I just grew up, oh, yeah, you know, that's Joe Sample. He plays the, he's the keyboardist. He, you know, the, check out the drum, you know, whether whether they were sharing that information with me or I was just around them while they were having debates and discussions about the, the musicians and the musicianship that they admired. I, just, I always grew up with an ear for music. So uh, I guess in my, you know, 8, 9, 10, going into middle school, junior high school, I started to just develop my own ear, my own interest in, in the things that I was hearing. Through that connection or just being exposed to music, as especially hip-hop at the time, and going to school and interacting with with you know my classmates or the kids in the school or what was on the radio or television at the time, I just gradually became more curious about it. And, you know, one, one day it turns into, hey, you know, write your first rhyme and then you that was fun and it turns into another thing you know another one and then before you know it you don't care about doing homework next thing you know you're cutting school you know trying to do music and then you're trying to do and then you learn about hip-hop i'm trying to do every every piece of it whether it was graffiti or it's going to break dance show you know and then it's so it's like oh yeah you know if you're gonna do music at this time it was like hey if you're gonna do music uh or hip-hop well you gotta learn how to somebody's gotta make your beats you got to get a DJ. Who's going to do that? Because, I, you know, at the time I was rhyming, it's like, uh, I guess I can learn how to do it. Because I didn't <laughs> I didn't know, how, you know, there was no SoundCloud. Or, so so it wasn't like, oh, let me go find some. And, and also DJing and making beats just was not a normal, you know, just not a, a normal thing at the time. Or, or even just the network networking methods that you know exists now so out of necessity i was i was just like yeah i I can learn and i i have i think i have an ear and then once i learned how to do that i didn't really care about rhyming anymore all i wanted to do was make beats (laughs) and then by the time i was a young adult you know going out and trying to make a name for myself i would sign up for mc battles or dj battles or producer battles uh, and they say hey what's your name and i you know i would give them either my graffiti name or and then one day I was, um, I just wrote down Damu. It didn't really, I hadn't really decided yet, but everybody else just, once I, once I had a reputation, after a couple of events, people just started, yo, Damu, Damu, and that, I couldn't, and everybody just started calling me that. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's how it happened. The, the, the day that, the, and I guess there's, there's two key events that took place when I was younger. Um, I called, I was about 13 or 14 around the time when I started rhyming. I called into the radio station because EPMD was on the air and uh, Tigger was, was uh, you know, a big radio host in, in, in Washington, D.C. And he let me and my homie freestyle for, for EPMD like, like like live on the air. That was a big deal. <laughs> I mean, mad. and uh, afterward, they were like, hey, stay on the line. 
and I got to talk to Eric Sermon and Parrish Smith and you know, they're asking, hey, do you have a demo tape? I had no idea what a demo tape was. I, and they said, do you have one? And I, and I thought it was just like the tape you make in your, your boom box where, you, you know, you just hit record it. I said, yeah, yeah, we got yeah. one. And he's like, well, yeah, send it to such and such. You know, Parrish Smith was like, send it to such and such, such and such, Bayshore, Long Island. You know how Parrish Smith talks. Bayshore, Long Island, you know, we got you. And, and uh, you know, we pretty much lied and said we had all this stuff. In, in order but after we got off the phone we had so much confidence that um we got something epmd like that rhymes and then that's that's where the the hunger to do this really really just was amplified and then uh and then later maybe when i was about 17 or 18 i met Kay murdoch who i uh, who was who had a job in radio at the time but he also was a producer and he became my mentor so seeing him do music professionally and also just you know what his interests were and that that was very transformational for me because uh at the time i thought hey you had in order to do hip-hop or be in the music industry you had to be an artist or be be contributing to actual records but just seeing him monetize his passion and and have a career doing something that he likes and, and doing something around music doing something creative that was my first introduction to say oh yeah there's there's so many different options uh, there's there's a way to make this happen. So th- those those were the main things that uh, that opened up the door for me to uh, do this professionally. What would you say was kind of the next step from, from there? So, I mean, you said that you started working with Kay Murdoch and you could see that the doors were opening, but what was the first project or the first thing that you kind of started working on where you could see it was taking shape and it started evolving? I guess in the early 2000s, I was fresh out of high school. I mean, there was a lot of things that I didn't have. I knew that I needed them. So first first step was, you know, getting getting some finances so trying to find it you know some income to do those things so you know having a investing into my own recording rig and uh, production and and dj equipment being able to buy records and the things in order to create so you know between the years of like 2002 to 2004 you know i I spent most of my time doing that in in addition to going out in public and you know doing these open mics and hip-hop events around the city and and uh, I met an MC by the name of Flex Matthews. We were working together around that time. He was actually the first MC that that I was producing, and we were working towards, you know, trying to get a deal at the time. We're trying to go on tour. See a source like this when the spot's really crowded, and I step to the mic and your question if I'm bouncing. Get off of the stage, is what the haters just shouting. Hell no, it's the kid from the burbs. You're all doubting. Take my heels in. I'm in for the long run. You gon' catch me with the okey-dokey test in the wrong one I'm strong as King Kong plus Jarell in his grown son Working like a slave, I won't stop till it's all done Y'all run to the simple cash money metronome I take it to the teratome, rolling like the technotrome Who's the next to own my brand new CD and wax? Drop a life, deep, don't matter on these deviant cats You wanna test me in the battle sun and see me out back? Here's a discount, free book, I'm seizing a pack Yo, I'm reaching my max, this be the season I jack The number one slot, travel for my first song drop They with a long shot, cause I won't come up like a Okay, let's do it. I'm, 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 I'm
Um, I guess the peak of our efforts would be 2004. I went on, we went on the, the Vans Warp Tour. That was my first time going on tour. I had enough money at the time to press a uh, 12-inch. Didn't know what distribution was. I thought it was just, hey, you take your records to <laughs> the store and put them and ask them if they'll sell them. I mean, I, I definitely learned several years later how, how that works. But yeah, we were very hungry, very naive. But, you know, doing the local shows and just seeing, like, little things like press maybe being mentioned in the paper or getting a look in a magazine or being able to be an opening act for, uh, you know, a major artist uh, or more established artist. I mean, just, just one thing after the other. Panacea eventually got its got its deals and, and um, put out their early releases that I was a part of. I guess being in the right place at the right time, meeting different artists in different industry folks or people with relationships. Uh, they, they saw how hungry I was, and I guess my music was good enough to pass certain inspections. Uh, and within about, I guess, between 2002 and 2006, this four-year period where I, where, where I really invested into my creativity, not only tried to invest in learning my craft and being great at that, but, you know, going out and networking and being available, you know, it, it, it just led to, to the right opportunities, which led me to my first record deal with uh, Trez Records in 2006. One of the artists that I met during that time was um, was Insight the Truncator, who, who was already an established artist, but we were able to collaborate and, and put out our debut, Travel at Your Own Pace, in 2007. For today, my music career started around that time through uh, Panacea's beginnings and then my own debut in 2007. For the signs of a beast fleeing the scene of a homicide, cars collide swiftly, I avoid distractions. Like a taser to hours, solving equations around us. In other states, will be sour powder, I'm born to pivot. Powers diminish a minute after a crowd, okay, in interest. It's physics, I did it. Critics can say what they will. No more interview, chill. We get to check out the formula. My corn chefs ain't go out street killing the coroner. Been there, done that. With 
travel at your own pace. I mean, that album, I mean, I know on, on my side, so when that came out, there was this kind of select few people who I knew knew that album. When, when we could talk about it, it was this kind of excited conversation about it and like the sound of it and so on. But I mean, I know that's, as I've said to you, I mean, that album has stuck with me for so long and it's, it's 100% one of my all-time favourites. Firstly, I guess, where did the concept for that album come from? But also just how how did you guys paint that picture? Because it very much feels like it's this kind of really rich tapestry. And I guess that's something that seems to link throughout a number of your projects where it almost kind of seamlessly flows from track to track and there's this kind of beautiful fluidity to it. But I mean, with that album, it seems like there's a... Thank you. Oh, I mean, thank you. But it's, it seems like there's a real solid message with it. How did that process work and how did you guys set off with that? So I, I met Insight in, in uh, 2004. He was on tour uh, and me being the... I was a fan in high school discovering that he was going to be in town that was a big deal and i was too young to get into the show and i just around that time i, I managed to find uh someone who was working with the tour manager who who appreciated what i was doing and was able to get me backstage and you know we, we started a relationship that way i gave him a few beat cds and we kept in contact for several years and um once i was in contact with trez who signed us to do why society or travel at your own pace initially i was trying to just be Damu the Fudge Monk put out instrumental albums and, and, and their initial response was hey if you find a rapper you know we're definitely willing to work hey instrumental albums don't really have a place in the industry at the moment we don't really know what to, to do with that but if you find an MC we'll work something out so I mean obviously I, I did know MC I did have access to MCs that I knew locally but uh, at the time me being a fan of Insight I, I reached out to him and told him what was on the table and you know the rest is history um and it was just an honor you know uh, i mean he had, he had been listening to my music for several years i would send him beat tapes and and he'd give me feedback on what i was working on but also around that time i was definitely more comfortable not only with my sound and making beats but just you know producing recording and becoming more of a producer slash engineer and um more conceptual so uh, it was it, it was definitely the, the perfect time for us to to collaborate. Originally, we we made an album that's now that's known as Ears Here Spears that came out a few years ago. That was our first record that we did uh, within within months of signing the contract. Uh, Trez actually uh, rejected that album, you know, for their own artistic or creative reasons, and then they asked us to make another album. And and at that time, for me, that was devastating. Uh, yeah, I didn't really know. I mean, I, I was really proud of my work. I, it's my first album debut. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, when, you know, when DJ Premier hears my scratches or, you know, this person, I'm going to get on. Like, all the people I look up to, they're going <laughs> to hear, hear what I learned from them. So I was just super excited when they came back and was like, ah, oh, you know, this is this is cool, but we we're not putting this out. I, I really didn't understand, and I was I felt like my creativity was stifled. Yeah. I, I I had no idea where to go because the record that we had done, I felt like that was me. And they said, yeah. do something else. So you know, we both took some time off, to, uh, and this was over. This was the summer of 2006. I'm I'm just trying to piece piece this and piece things together. Uh, my, I, and I remember also around that time, my, M, my first time my NPC had failed me. So 
I wasn't even able to to make beats be, because I was having technical issues and I was the first time I actually had to mail my NPC off to get it repaired. So maybe and maybe that was a good thing because not having my drum machine, I had to I had time to kind of just think and find some new inspiration. It took several weeks to get it fixed and you know it was, a, it was pricey at the time. Uh, but once I got it back, I was able to you know start working on things and the turning point right before we did travel. And, and this beat is on uh, How It Should Sound 1 and 2. It's called uh, Getting and Stepping. It's like the second to last song, or maybe maybe it's the last song on How It Should Sound. When I made that, I was pretty, I, I was feeling kind of depressed creatively just because what had gone down with the, the rejection and not really knowing how to proceed. Uh, and when I made that beat, really gave me the confidence that uh, that I needed to go in to start working on what be what would become travel and that's why you know the, in the in that beat you hear uh, the step up front you know the step up and get on up you know that's 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 me talking to myself you know to get motivated <laughs> and step you know step step back into who I am and what I should be doing you know I have a purpose and that was a major turning point uh, during the maybe August of uh, 06 right after that I just got back to work and was able to just start making beats again and, and yeah it's maybe two to three songs from the original album is what we were able to transfer to the wide society travel at your own pace and i think those were uh scientists setting the example and that's puzzles pick up the pieces and put them together and see Somehow we fit together. You could look in a raindrop, man, see the different situations, stand back, see what's going on, then pour it back into a body of water, stir it around with all your problems, all the situations. Life can get complicated, so complicated that Sometimes it's all a big puzzle Situations flash down, living bubbles Patterns of problems scattered around Cause spell trouble or try and prove Connect from feeling and switching decisions To fit and click in a handgun Fits a man who runs frantic Faded to greenness with faces that panic Yo, it's fraying, no gunshots Pits and pieces of slanted streets Dark on black, tones of blue create shadows And alleyways They wear and take me back to my Cali days a puzzle. I struggle with the side of a building Shapes are fitting for my line of a children Who's trying to kill them? 104 pieces left I work around the outside, clouds high, the sunshine It's fun to find nine straight lines of dark blue skies I'm rubbing my eyes Looking for peace in particular, said yo, this is disguise Put it to the side for later, eight pieces from a blazer Easy to find in five minutes, finish the pieces of a hater The blazer was army green, and I would have seen It launches missile, it's a military machine Man, this puzzle's hard, I'm counting 84 more pieces If pieces the objective, war shouldn't be increasing Must be many other reasons, let me fit another piece in A child running wild holes in M16, what's going on? I've been putting this Together forever, meetings are measured misleading, leading to cleverless plans. Situations we discuss about world domination reflects like a puzzle in the game of life. Get it like pieces of puzzles, Those were all recorded on the original rejected version of his. And, and setting the example, I fought for because I was like, nah, this this is me. <laughs> like, this is my, I gotta get this one on. And, you know, we, we negotiated, and the first beats that I had done were, um, at my own pace, how many of us, this is an introduction. So pretty much the label was like, hey, we don't like this album. Send us some more stuff. Let us, you know, keep us in the loop as you're making stuff so we can approve it as, you know, so we can approve it while you're making it so we don't have the same issue going forward. So I had never worked like that before. So I made those tracks and then from there, 
the label was like, oh yeah, we love this. We love this direction. Yeah, more, more of this. So getting my confidence back on a personal level and then having their approval there, it put us in the headspace to, to proceed and, and try to make the most of the, of the situation. And um, doing At My Own Pace being, that was one of the first tracks, it set the, it set the tone and no pun intended, the pace for the, for the rest of the album and, and, and the direction. So the other beats would follow and the other songs and concepts would, would come together. And, you know, once we had the enough to consider an album, it was my job to produce it and, and tell a story. So all the interludes and things, and, 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 and I think a lot of the concepts were split between Insight and I. So like at my own pace, all the cuts, all the concept, all of that was just part of when I made the beat. Made the beat, did the cuts, had the concept, all in one, all in one session. Setting the example, same way. This is an introduction that was Sight's idea to make that the first track and, and, and introduce us as a group. So once he did the vocals, I I added all the the cuts. Good communication. That was that was my idea. I didn't do the cuts originally, uh, but I had the concept to you know make it a song about how we communicate, and and Sight really brought it home. You know conceptually going into different perspectives and, and directions. So yeah, by the time that record was done, uh, I was back to being excited. Oh yeah, when Lord Finesse hears this and Diamond D hears this, and, and you can, and I think when, you, especially when you listen to the original version, you can hear me shouting people out, just thinking, hey, I'm about to have my place in the hip hop community, like officially. So I look back at that time and great, great time. Hearing the the legacy and the following that the record has, you know, wasn't the the biggest commercial success, but you know, the people that connected with the with the concepts and the messages, and and even just my my introduction as a, as a producer, uh, you know, that did a lot for me. To this day, it still does. Seems like the MCs that you choose, they always seem to. Excuse the pun. Excuse this pun, but they always seem to be very kind of insightful and mature and quite inquisitive lyricists as well. I mean, from insight to blue and all in between, including like raw poetic and all sorts. It seems you have a specific kind of MC that you work with as well. I mean, how do those kind of projects come about? I mean, does it tend to be on your side that you can hear a sound and you can hear that it's the fit, or you know, say for example, like the project with blue? I mean, how do those kind of projects come together is that your side or the other side or, or is it just kind of a happy coincidence and it seems to come together that's a good observation um definitely the message and voice and i guess swing to how you know how they flow because yeah. i mean especially my style of beats and you can you can hear that there's there's a certain swing that my stuff has and you know and if you if you don't have the right pocket or the right approach, it just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't go well together. And, and actually, you know, it's, it's, it is my job as, as a producer to, uh, you know, to bring the right rhythms and the right textures and, and, and syncopation to, wh to whoever I'm working with. But as far as, uh, I guess, my own projects, when when it comes to collaborating, yeah, Insight and, and Raw Poetic Blue, they, they all, fortunately, are, are, you know, great when it comes to, you know, the way that they think. Uh, being able to take concepts and take them, you know, beyond, you know, the first thing that comes to mind. So yeah, that's very important, and, and I guess it also speaks to why there's only a limited amount of vocalists that I've actually worked with, and just my my approach to production 
is sometimes overproducing stuff. So that also makes things a bit more challenging to find the right MC that can complement all the, the musical ideas that take place and give me the opportunity to, to, to explore those ideas versus, um, versus just kind of making things based on a certain song format or structure. I like to break a lot of rules. I like to push the envelope where it's just like, hey, you know, you know, this song doesn't have to be three minutes. We're not, you know, not getting radio play. We can put a breakdown here. We can just do a one <laughs> verse or, or I can scratch for two minutes. <laughs> yeah, I want to make things as musical as possible. So working with those guys, they really just give me the freedom and the uh, encouragement to take the music as far as we can take it. And it's very inspirational once I actually have their contributions to say, you know, even a song I might conceptualize, you know, structure the beat, have the scratches, and then once I get it back, it's like, oh, I can put a breakdown here, I can put a scratch here, I can add this thing. So they really inspire my, my production. Tracks like Beast Mode, it's really interesting hearing stuff like that because I mean, there's obviously like hip hop's known for having posse cuts, but yours sounds different. It, like you say, I mean, you kind of say about your signature sound, and it kind of seems like it's it's your version of a posse cut in an intelligent way where it's, it fits. How did that come about? I mean, are they all artists that you previously supported, or well, Lou Mastermind of that? Those are all his guys. Uh, Sean Jackson, I collaborated with, or, or we have mutual friends so I, I've known him and then uh, you know being a fan of, of blues music I'm, I'm familiar with some of the other Cassius King a, a local black yeah they, they've all um, they've all been a part of blues projects to date so he was like I want to do this raw hip hop posse cut I'm gonna get my guys on it and we were we were like dope once he got everybody on I really was thinking okay I'm gonna channel DJ Premier on this so I pretty much did like a, a DJ Premier inspired beat but then I wanted to just take take the ideas further or just add my spin to it. So, you know, it has my DJ premiere style drums or even sample selection. But it was me as a producer. It was like me paying homage to one of the greats, but also, you know, one of my biggest influences. And, you know, whether it's, you know, having an ear for samples or sample selection or even just the, the rhythms or the way that I cut or the vocabulary that I have as a producer, you know, it goes without saying I learned, you know, I learned a lot from him. So a uh, big part of my career has always been paying respects to my heroes with Beast Mode. It, it was a fun project to uh, to utilize the inspiration from, from Primo to make that track. Although he might be known for a signature sound, he's got so many different eras of Premiere. I chose to go in, you know, more like the late 90s, early 2000s. For me, at, um, that was really fun. All all the MCs killed. Wrapped in plastic like them chicks with face lifting fake ass. You ask them who the hell is say cash. They said somebody different. They failed. They ain't passed. When the guard gets the test, and the same became mad. The madness all around me, and cash rule everything. So when enough to leave, you relieved. I came back, G, my G. I put it on the coach like you ain't checking for me, but I bet I catch your hoes eye. Funny how a dream could wake your woke side and third eye. I'm seeing everything with my bird eye, focus on the flame. I busted out the choker with the chains. If you out of focus, slide like a lotus in the rain. Tax celebrity fees. You not as woke as what you claim. Patrick Beverly D. I hold your stolen in the game. 
Patting the pentacle, just what I'm saying. This is black magic, all that hocus pocus shit for blame. It's so insane, nigga. Even the potus, what I'm slain. Cause I vanished from still. Small fuckers know the name. Caution, when in me got the theory of Marshawn. Clearly, I lost my mind. Shine like weather on floor shines. Ditto for the whole team. Dressing all white like the home team. Bullets cross your mind like a no fling. Cooperate before I contemplate on which hand to debt him. Cause he went and bit the hand that fed him. And I'm into getting hands on that cheddar. A fat ass in the leather to kill all sound boys' plans together. Shit, I fall back, y'all fall off. Thinking not enough, Sean Jack, you got your soft. My arms loaded commando. Thicker than I dip in the man smoke. This jam's dope, pumping like hand soap. Show my ID, the gun beside me in the photo from that genuine glow. They ride the pony like it's polo. I pimp pink, cabron, get bitch weight. Think 99% pink, comprende? Primo, and you've mentioned a few other artists that have inspired you or motivated you to build on your journey. Do you find there's new artists who are coming through that you're inspired by, or do you feel like it's more guys who you were growing up listening to their music? Which kind of area do you tend to find, or is it a bit of a mix of both? Uh, I'd, I'd say it's a mix of both. Uh, the more I explore music, I, I'm, I'm able to find inspiration from multiple genres, different eras, and, and also not just within my skill set, you know? So I can, I can, I mean, it goes without saying, but I, I can appreciate a Quincy Jones, or I can appreciate, you know, an Oliver yeah. Nelson. I may not have the same musical vocabulary that they have, but I can listen to their music and find inspiration and learn something. Same thing, you know, Puff, P. Diddy isn't known as a, as a guy that's sitting at a drum machine, but, his ideas and his influence on, on music is is very impactful. So although I may not listen or appreciate everything he's, he's done, his ideas and his contributions have, have shaped music as we know it in, for the last 30 years. You know, there's, there's definitely going to be, you know, my favorites and people that have really been dominant on how I learn. But even, even listening to new artists, you know, I, I love Kendrick Lamar. I love his team. You know, there's an artist named Khan that we work with. I, I've learned a lot from him, not, not just from listening to his music, but just, you know, being around him and just learning, just hearing his perspective on, you know, life in, in, in his era. He's a few years younger. That could be like a, like a century if you're not if you're not keeping up with the times and you don't know what's you know you don't know what's going on and and the way technology and music has, sure. has moved yeah. in the last 10 years you know the things that may have even been relevant or considered underground or alternative even when travel at your own pace came out if when you think about that now travel at your own pace would sound old school to a, you know to a 20 year old so um I feel like there's influences and inspiration in, in modern music, pop music, jazz music, rock, folk, country. I can definitely give thanks to to also just being a DJ, which I was a DJ before I started producing. So learning the music and learning the records, learning the, the musicians, it, it's just an endless appreciation that uh, is going to follow me until my last day on this earth. What's coming up for you from this point forward? So are there solo projects on the horizon or have you got more collaborations that are coming up? The next thing is myself and, and Raw Poetic, we've recorded a, a string of albums. It actually ties into your previous question about past influences. We were blessed to record an album with uh, the legendary Archie Shep. Uh, that's going to be a, a very adventurous album. We're very excited about it. 
it's a completely different direction, different sound, different textures. The, all the li- all the beats are, are like live musicians playing, uh, very <laughs> spontaneous in the studio setting. Um, that's what's currently uh, our priority. We have several albums that will follow in, in the year 2020, so stay tuned for that. And, and definitely um, some sort of Damu instrumental project coming. But right now, the, the raw poetic stuff is really what I'm most excited about and working with, with Archie Shep that was amazing yeah, that's we feel the music is amazing hopefully the rest of the world feels the same way once it's out that sounds good well on that now Daniel, it's, it's been great to talk to you and, and thank you so much for spending the time to talk through your music and your process and it's really insightful to hear how it's come about so you know, thank you for joining us and the best of luck with all of your music from here to hopefully eternity oh thanks <laughs> thanks a lot and thanks for listening and pre- appreciate the interview and appreciate you uh, listening to the music and appreciating the, the catalog so far. Of course. No, thank you, man. Well, yeah, best of luck with it. And, uh, yeah, thanks. Critical condition of relationship beat down. Swimming in the infinite, just looking for me now. Quarter girl a minute, now I look for the rebound. Listen for the sound of love, I sit by the sea now. I see now. Yeah. Get involved in the conversation. Use the hashtag DTC Podcast.